Hello, I'm Stephanie Luo. Welcome to my podcast, Surface Time: Confessions of a Diving Junkie, where I chinwag with people who are like me, scuba diver and chronic addict to being underwater. During the surface time today, I spoke with Basil, who's highly accomplished in many aspects. Since money and investment are the two words naturally connected to her profession as a private banker, it is inevitable that we chatted at length about them. First, let's hear her amazing encounter of a sea lion on a diving trip in Mexico. Hello, Bay. Hey, thanks for joining me for the the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted. Yeah. So, so I'm going to start with my magic opening questions. <laughs> okay. Where was your last memorable dive? Oh, there's a many, but there's a one I really felt I can't pay money to buy. It was when I was diving in Mexico in Sea of Cortes uh-huh. and dive with some sea lions. And they were very playful. They come to uh, play with you. Like they will turn and they'll come close. I could tease you and run away. And there's a one moment I remember the dive master was telling me, babe, don't even try to chase them because I want to take videos and picture of them because they are like birds in the ocean so fast. I can never catch up with them. But if they want to play with you, they will come close. So at one moment, one sea lion is nearby. So I, I was using my hand. I was doing this, like a mimic how they swim. <laughs> one sea lion came over and gave me a high five. <gasps> and then took off. That moment, you can't imagine. I just like, wow. Then I looked at the dive master. He's great. I, I, I was speechless. What was... Going through your mind, having that high five moment. Yeah, I think high five with adults, it's kind of, I can get it, right? And when you high five with kids, you already have this joyful because you cannot predict Mm -hmm. the kids. If they're happy, they come to do that. If they don't like you with animal, I felt unless I can speak. (laughs) Yeah, it was the moment I felt like I'm in the dream. Mm -hmm. And I also felt the strong connection with uh, nature. Yeah. And I take away a human being is different than any other animals. Yeah, it was, I will say, unity, oneness with the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's an incredible, right? Because there's no common language. Yeah. No. And yeah, you you, you could interpret that they're being playful, they're very friendly. And, And you could also, when you're mimicking them, they seem to understand you and then came along and tap with you. I'm, sh- I'm sure that they have done lots of similar interactions with other humans. Mm-hmm. But therefore, it's not exactly like the first time you encounter for them. Isn't that like, amazing for you to think about it? There's always a vibe. We use the word vibe. Mm-hmm. Some people may use the word that energy. Mm. Do you think that's one of the uh, key attraction that could bring you back to the underwater world or any part of nature? Yeah, in general, I like the nature and I never to examine why I like it. I just feel relaxed, free when I'm in the nature and especially in the water. Yeah, I still remember first time I went diving because when I learned diving, I didn't know how to swim. And water is something that I'm afraid of mm-hmm. before diving. 
Mm -hmm. But after I encountered diving and I started loving water and I took lessons, learned how to swim, and I just feel very calm every time I am in the water. Mm -hmm. And when you mentioned about energy and vibe, yeah, I don't know. I just feel very calm in the water. <laughs> Have you managed to go diving since uh, the lockdown or the pandemic? And not yet. The last dive I had was 2020, January, in Manado. So after that, I had the lockdown and I was planning to go diving maybe in January or uh, February next year. Okay. Any particular destination in mind? I booked a trip, actually, during the pandemic, I already paid. I will go back. <laughs> it's uh, Wakatobi in Indonesia. Yeah. Mm. As diving, obviously, it's a hobby. And you, you're actually highly accomplished and talented ladies. So you spend probably most of your career in financial services, mm -hmm. but not just in one sector. You've moved from the traditional financial services into fintech and then back to traditional financial services. And you also ex explore your inner entrepreneur side. I think probably it's fair to describe you as somebody who's very familiar with the word investment. <laughs> That's something we talk about every day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But investment can have different meanings in different contexts. So I would like to know in your case, mm. what does investment mean to you? I will say early in my career, investment is pretty much focused on uh, money and how do you invest your money to get more or different assets. And later, I think slowly I, I start. So investment, it's also about the investment, the quality time with friends, family, or the things you love to do. Also investment about my personal development. And sometimes I saw those things are more important. For example, the investment to my personal development, that's how I start learning the sales skills, presentation skills, and later on, I start teaching them and also become executive consultant that all the skills I have learned to develop myself, now I can share with other people. and. Also develop that confidence that I no longer fear of what if my investment in stock goes to zero? What if the property I bought, I can't pay off? I think it's different aspects. I'm not saying the investment in financial um, terms is not right, but there's a different way of doing investment and also different investment will give you different returns. Mm -hmm. And something are in physical form, something are more in the spiritual or uh, even the network. Since I worked in the fintech and in the entrepreneur work, mm -hmm. and also when I learn different things, I uh, tap into different communities. It really brought out the network I have mm -hmm. versus if I just stayed in banking. Mm -hmm. And those kind of network, yeah, it, it, I can't put a price on it. <laughs> I think the return and reward, for example, like last month when I was in Europe, more than two weeks, I only had a single day I have to pay a hotel. Most of the time I stay with different friends in a different country. And those are the friends I made time with that mm -hmm. really have a close 
bond and connection. And I would consider those are investments. Mm-hmm. Earlier, I did with the friendship. I, I like when you mentioned that like, this is very much about time. Because mm-hmm. normally, like you say, we've been wired to think that investment tied to the monetary term. So it's money. Money, yes, is a form of energy and the expansion. But people tend to forget that time is also a form of resource. Mm-hmm. And then it's actually the most valuable one that we have because it's, it's non-renewable. Yeah. The time lost. Yeah. It could be relationship loss, connection loss. I, I like what you just described that, how you could just travel through Europe for two weeks where in a way you enjoy the life in Europe through the connection you have with your friends. So you see the country, the cities from a different perspective than a, a pure tourist. Yeah, I'm not on the tour bus. Here is the picture. You take it, then get on it next, right? Yeah. So I really live with my friends. They take me to their favorite coffee shop or bakeries. And I just felt like I had a two days experience in the local people's life. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. I think it's very unique to have that. And I think it's even more beautiful when, when you enjoy that through connection with other people. Coming back to the investment you mentioned about the self-development or personal development, what is the best investment that you've done for yourself? What's the best investment? I would say learning, keep learning. Yeah, can be something in the sports, can be something spiritual, learning different skill set. In general, I just a uh, very curious person. So I found that everything is curious, <laughs> interesting to learn. Sometimes I start something, maybe I say, oh, that's not for me. So I switch. But diving actually is one of the things I stick to for more than 10 years. Uh, to my surprise, I often try different things. And then because I saw there's uh, so little time, so many things I want to try. So I don't really have a one kind of thing to continue to do. But to my surprise, diving is something that I continue still passionate about. So what do you call diving when people ask you? For me, it wasn't a sports. I don't feel like a physically I worked out. <laughs> but for me, it's uh, relaxing. And every time I'm down there, it's quiet. It's like a meditation. Just for the benefit of people who have not been down underwater yet. What does that mean? There's uh, different moments uh, in the diving. Sometimes we see sharks, exotic fish. I get very excited. I will have my camera chasing them, taking photos. <laughs> and that's the exciting part. It's a lot fun, like a play. And there's a moment we are waiting for something to show up, like a whale shark or something like that. And we're just very quiet. Everybody's waiting and you can only hear the breath in and out, the bubble going out. And it's just a rhythm and the meditation tea in the bag while I was playing. So I find that it's very calm. At the same time, because the reflection of the sun from the water up, the, what do you call it? Like the ray kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so beautiful. And sometimes I'm just like a zone out while looking at it. I felt like I'm like a dreaming and like imagine anything like in front of me. Yeah. That time I felt really like in different space and different world. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the idea the kind of uh, hustle bustle types of distraction is non-existent. It's non-existence underwater. 
electricity. Yeah, when I get really stressed, I used to work on trading floor. It can be very, very stressful environment, especially the market move. But during that time, if I take a diving trip, and then the moment I'm there, it's like everything else is not that important or doesn't matter, especially in the ocean. I just feel so big and I feel like uh, myself is so small, like all my problems are like nothing compared to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. It gave me that kind of calm experience when I don't see the whole world is only my work, stress, and mm-hmm. my problems. Yeah. So the change of perspective, so you move from the adrenaline pumped trading tool and then everything is stressful and every single sensory is on edge. And then you have to stay focused, but it's physically, energetically very draining. Yeah. But in underwater, I think there is a different kind of pressure. Then you're literally under pressure physically. Mm-hmm. The number one rules being underwater is to stay calm. Mm-hmm. And then the calmer you are, the regular your breathing pattern is, the longer you can stay down. And I, I like what you said about the calmer you are, the regular, like the pace, the longer you can stay under the water. I think in life actually it's the same. We create this up and down and feeling so stressful and make people have a shorter life because it's not healthy. And think underwater is the, the kind of a reflection of real world, but in a physical pressure. So we adapt, we have to follow mm-hmm. versus in life, it's the pressure we can't see, mm-hmm. we can't experience. Mm-hmm. So we don't adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's actually diving is one of the best investment that you've made for yourself. <laughs> yes. I think spiritually and also, uh, Pleasure. <laughs> it, I need it <laughs> before I will go insane. <laughs> okay, I want to circle back to investment. Talk about money. We're not here to devalue the beauty of money. Thinking of it, there, the money is important, and then we're not here to declare that we're so sensible that we can live off breathing the air. Definitely, it's not the case. I think the key thing is then to enjoy mm. money. Mm. Very often, people. See money somewhat evil, like viewing money being something is the cause of a lot of negative things rather than money being the start of many good things that can happen. I think it is more like the education or culture or society imprinted on people in general, especially the world I'm working in, while wealth management. I see so many rich people, like mm-hmm. wealthy, successful people. And it also reflects when people say, oh, rich people are not really happy. And I think even for myself, early stage, I was like, oh, money is not everything, right? Or there's too much money may cause more stress than actually bring happiness. But now I felt money is just money. There's neutral. There's no bad or good. It's like anything, any tool. If I say water is good, I should drink more water, but water, water also can drown me and kill me too. Right. And so things like that, I will feel really how we look at the money, how we treat money, 
and we can use money as a tool. If I don't have this job, I will not be able to pay for my diving trip. <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. Like a lot of the experience I have in life because I can afford it. And this, I have the opportunity to explore. So in that sense, I do think money is important. But on the other hand, money itself is not evil, right? Money didn't talk to you saying, hey, become a bad person. <laughs> but money, it's like a whole, I would say, someone say, if you really want to know that person, either give them the power or money. Mm -hmm. So I think when you want to look at the true person, nature, you give the money, how they use that tool, mm -hmm. you recognize who they are. And you can give to the money to people helping the world. So I do feel money actually is just a media or tool. I like the way you describe it. And, and I think it does make sense because like, when it's useful that we can use it to do good for the society. With your financier hat on, when you're looking at a potential investment into a company, and, and this company claims they're doing something that will help to tackle the climate emergency, as an example. What are the key areas that you will look at to start with, to assess your investment risk? I think for me, because I'm not an expert in, in that area, I definitely will rely on some expert to give me some assessment, analysis report on those things. And just before I jump into that, I remember more than 10 years ago talking about impact investment. So the reason is I was working with some NGO company that during financial crisis, the big corporate stopped donating money. They can't. Then they either closed down or they suffered or the program have to downsize or stop. And I was just thinking that moment, why can the NGO run like a business? So. They get the funding, they start running, they have hire people, have business sense, not just helping people. Because once you're in the helping people mode, you need to ask someone to provide you food. But if you can just run as of any business, you can grow, you can sustain. And I just felt we were like a two extreme. One is only money without looking at the impact. One is, oh, we need the money to do all this. Like every single task we're doing, if we can start with a business mindset, you don't really need NGO. It's more the impact investment. That's a natural thing for me to look at it. So when you say it's I got the opportunity, someone bring a project to me. I will need to understand those numbers are right because I don't know how to assess them. Right. And as a lot of people present a number, <laughs> I don't know if they're really doing the real things. So going to uh, the ground, knowing the founder, I think a lot of times still uh, uh, trust the, the history of the person who brings in the project. And can we really trust that? Because all the numbers can be made up. Even in the most famous financial industry, <laughs> you got all this, right? You assessed everything. You have all the big four check your number. They still blow up. So that's why I personally think a network is very important. You really know that person, not just on their face value. 
not just on the paper or CVs, but really know the person, who they are, what kind of things they are passionate and can you trust them? Can you believe what the report says to you? Yeah, I will think down to founder and also down to the technology, down to how they implement. And those things are, are very important than just looking at the paper, I will say the numbers. Hmm. I agree with you about this and, and you think it's better if they can run like a business. <laughs> and I, I also see the impact of the microfinance has created for people who would not have otherwise got the access to the financial services. I remember reading a story, I think it's in one of the Richard Branson's book, where he went to Africa and the lady went up to him, asked for money. She didn't ask for a lot. I think she was asking for something like 100 US dollar. Mm -hmm. He just gave it to her. He didn't expect her to pay back, but she said, I'll pay back. Mm -hmm. And she did. In banking, we assess risk. They, they, as a theory, women, in terms of doing business, they're less likely to default on the loan than men. What do you think? I think in general, men tend to take more risk, e either in physical terms, they, they will want to climb the tallest mountain in the world. Like in terms of percentage-wise or population-wise, I think naturally men probably would wanted to take more risk. Of course, the bigger risk you take, the bigger default rate you can have too. So I think a woman, for a woman to feel so confident to ask for money and they probably already work out the whole path and how they're going to do it. So they, it, it planned better and then the default rate is lower. I think that's also possible. Let's look at it as probability instead of agenda. Thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The story you just shared, I have a real story. My friend, she went to Bhutan, Bhutan. Then there's a tour guide. She was helping their family. So they become very close friends. So one year she visited the village of the, the, the tour guide. And then this guy's wife came to my friend and say, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to make money so I can send my kids to school so they don't have to lead the life like where I am in the village. There's no kind of, so say, can you help me? So my friend said like, I, how can I help? I don't really know how to help you. So she actually gave her 200 US dollar. And the lady said, I don't need this. You, because 200 is a lot of money, but after this, so what? She said, can you, you know, help me to do something? So my friend said, what can you do? She said, I can make a scarf. So then they used the 200 US dollar to get a sewing machine. So she started doing the scarf. And my friend, the, the difference is they have their Bhutan traditional kind of uh, scarf and color, but she has her own idea of how the color match. Like she being very creative and very different. And it's also very beautiful as well. So my friend said, oh, maybe you can make some scarf. I help you to sell in Hong Kong. She said, okay. And, but she didn't know what she get herself into. They don't even have a measurement. Every scarf come, there's a short, there's a long, because they go with their arm. So <laughs> <laughs> you would think, you know, you would, you would think, uh, really? Like a, a day in the world? Oh, yeah, my friend is also very super successful senior, like a C-level in a listed company. She said, babe, I, I need the help. I, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. She has to 
send the measure, like uh, the tape to the village, ask them, teach them how to measure it, to control the quality. Then two years later, they trained a hundred lady in the village. Oh, wow. So I also support her. We had a charity, uh, a kind of event in Hong Kong. We don't call charity because they really uh, make the stuff and then we sell and there's a profit. We try to run as a business. Mm -hmm. But people like that in that village had no idea what can they do. And their scarf was in New York. I went to New York, had an eventful, uh, involved my friends in New York and in Hong Kong, in Beijing, Shanghai. And there's a one story really touching, right? Then you know, two ladies in Hong Kong airport, uh -huh. doesn't know each other, but they were wearing the same scarf. Oh, wow. Like, they look at each other. They say, oh, is your scarf on entrepreneurship? And then they were like, oh, yes. And then because of that, they connect. In the airport without my friend physically being there. Wow. A story like that's very inspiring and helped us so many people. You don't know what kind of lives you impact for those women and for their kids. They're no longer, oh, only men can make money else die. And also the encouragement for the younger lady, uh, girls there to have opportunity to study mm -hmm. and to see, oh, I can do my business. Yeah. Yeah. I would classify this as an investment. It's not necessarily just money. Yeah. And then it's also the time you invest in them to work alongside with them. And, and I think this old saying that instead of teaching yourself how to eat fish, mm -hmm. you might as well teach him how to catch fish. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applied to people. And then this kind of mindset is quite important. Even for the investors coming in, looking at the investment, then you have to come in and especially if your business is addressing social issues or environmental issues or even like governance issues, uh, whichever, whatever mission you set that the company has been set to, to achieve. And I think it's really important that even when you come in, business hat needs mm -hmm. to be on. Yeah. You need to come think to be financially savvy to know that how to manage your finance, that you do need to know your balance sheet, your account book. And this is the set of skills so liberally utilized in the corporate world and financial services everywhere. But for people in a small business or even any village mm -hmm. where they, they have yearning of doing something to improve yeah. their lives and they just need the right people to come and push them along. Now the messaging starts to go out. People probably start to have better comprehension. Yeah. And also I think corporates, not just how much money I can put into the impact investment to look at the, the expertise they can provide, mm. the time they can support mm. business like that. I mm. think that will be also very important yeah. because they, not just the money, if you give them the money, they don't have enough knowledge. They don't know how to run and you probably waste some of them. If you can give the money with the knowledge, expertise, you run the money more efficiently. So back again, even for corporate investment, it's also not just money. Mm -hmm. Like at the time, mm -hmm. the knowledge, you put it in. I want to ask you five questions. We start with the first one, which is diving related. Okay. So what are your three top tips on safe diving practice? I think, first of all, you need to prepare yourself. And it's 
nice when you are safe. <laughs> it can be life-threatening situation. I would say I wasn't star with the best example. You should learn swimming first <laughs> before you go to die. And a second thing I would say, choose the diving buddy or a group that they are very professional. They take care of you as well. I'm very lucky, although I'm um, clumsy in the very beginning. But I was in this group, my dive instructor, like uh, the first trip I was on, I'm the f only one first time diving in the open water. The rest are two, three instructors, two dive masters, <laughs> the two <laughs> rescue divers. So they have thousands of diving and then they know I, my first time. So everybody was watching me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't an easy dive side. They have a very strong current. It's like a Typhoon 8 in Hong Kong. That's what I experienced my first dive in the ocean. It wasn't fun. I almost panicked. <laughs> With that group, I learned a lot from them. And the best part is every dive we come up, we see what kind of fish we see. And I saw that's just a normal practice until I start diving with other groups. Buoyancy is very important and I learned my buoyancy is because I want to take a picture. <laughs> the thing is, after first diving trip, I want to buy a, a camera. And my instructor say, Bay, people dive for years before they get a camera. You need to practice your skills first. You still can't be stabilized, you know? Then I just like, mm, I want the camera, so I bought it. The second trip, actually the camera helped me because I'm somebody, I need to have a goal. When I have a target or goal that I develop my skills, <laughs> I'm not someone need to develop skills first so then to do things. <laughs> so the camera really helped me to speed up my learning curve with my buoyancy. <laughs> so buoyancy is also very important. Next one. So we move away from scuba diving. What do you do to maintain your own well-being? I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I'm not like particularly good at anything, like elite level, but I do running, swimming. I have a group where I can go rock climbing. And recently I just did a sailing. I'm signing up a course mm -hmm. to learn how to sail. And yeah, so I think just uh, one is physical. Part of it, I think every day I need to do something or at least five days a week that kept me out sitting in front of a computer, mm -hmm. um, getting my shoulder tight or back mm -hmm. pain. Second thing is when I'm away from my computer and phone, I usually leave my phone away mm -hmm. and I don't want my watch show up messages. Mm -hmm. Like I really just want my time mm -hmm. with nature or just have nothing need to think. That's how I manage my life. And I do meditation. Sometimes works. Sometimes when I really have a lot going on, I found it difficult to just calm myself down. And I learned to just be aware of that instead of I used to being frustrated, trying to, so like why I can't calm down, right? All this. But now I start to learn just to, Take a note to what, where am I at the stage? Mm -hmm. And I, that helps me to calm down. Also have a time with friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I only spend time with the people I love. 
I care. Yeah. When I was younger, trying to meet new people and sometimes just out of like a politeness, I felt like I have to go to a certain party or have to show up. Those conversations I don't entertain anymore. Mm-hmm. I just felt I have so limited time. Mm-hmm. I really want to invest in myself or the people really I care. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what are you most passionate about right now? Right now, I think I'm passionate to, to be a kind of leader I will admire. Okay, so who, who, can you? I guess before I was saying, I always felt, oh, I'm good a follower. I should just follow. I always um, admire other people, what kind of leader they can be. I never see myself can be that or I never even think I wanted to be there like too much work too much responsibility but recent years I start feeling oh what changed my mind is a lot of things I start feeling oh there's an opportunity we can change or there's an improvement we can do and I start realize bottom up very difficult for changes top down a lot easier so if I think something good uh, I, I want to impact a, a group or family or in my work, I need to be on the top to do that. So because of that, now I really felt I do want to be a leader because only that way I can make the change faster. I can still do the change whatever level I am at, but that means the impact can be bigger and bigger and instead of complaining, oh, my boss is not doing this, my company is doing that, why can't I be the big boss so I can implement better policies or better workplace or encourage people? And I think that's something I'm excited about. And for that, I need my help. I need to be a positive, unhappy person to start with. It's all the area I, I wanted to develop myself at the same time. So if you... Scan through the list of people that you admire, you look up to, like what they do. What's this about them being characteristic, personalities? First, they really care about people. Because they care about others. The focus is not on themselves. And second thing is they are risk takers because they have to put down their name or back up for you if you make a mistake because that's what it's. You encourage, it's like a parents to kids, you encourage them to try, but if they fail, if they that doesn't work out, they know you're going to be there to have their back. So they can be brave. They can try new things. And then the third thing I will say themselves want to continue to learn and develop. And that's what I see. The higher the manager are, the more successful they are, the humble they are. If I go to ask like a mid-level management, maybe ask for them for a coffee or they will have no time for me. If I go to CEO, CEO of the group, they always make time for you. But just a lot of people don't dare to ask them. And then I also felt because they're also humble, they continue to develop themselves. And that's why they can be that where they are as well. Yeah. All these three elements are actually you. So I think if you practice all three of them, you, you will get to where you apparently consider your aspiration. Thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to the next one. Yeah. Um, 
What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Yeah, I've been asking that question a lot of times. Oh, you did? Oh, wow. Okay. No, because last year we did this International Women's Day. Mm -hmm. And I worked with the women in finance in Hong Kong. We also talked about this as well. And I think it's good in in a way is how do we encourage younger female? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think, how would I talk to younger me, right? Yeah. And I would say be brave. The world is not that scary, actually. Bring the attitude, like being playful, try out different things. Yeah, live the life. I wish I could be more open and brave. I will enjoy life more. <laughs> yeah. You learn to become brave. I know. It's so funny. When we were born, when we were young, we have no fear. We touch everything, eat everything, right? You see kids touch the fire. <laughs> And when we get to a certain age, you were like, afraid touch anything, do anything, say anything, even cry. Yeah. Even express ourselves, it's something wrong. Then learning backwards, then oh, we become the child. Yeah. That's nice. Being mean, connect with your inner child is very important. Mm-hmm. One last question. Mm-hmm. What is one life-changing experience that you can share with us? Life-changing experience. I would say the triathlon event I signed up. I did the triathlon I did in 2010. For me, I don't know. Swear. <laughs> and I hate long distance running before when I was young as kids. It's one of the, the, the exams like for the school. I hate it. I don't want to run 800 meter but the chance along was what i think was 12 meter 12k running 50k biking and then swimming is a thousand eight hundred meters swimming open water so first i have to learn swim my first swimming class was with three-year-old kids in the swim <laughs> and i can never forget that because most of my like people in my age and uh, my background will hire a private coach to swim and I have this concept that why do I want to pay somebody they just stand by the pool and I'm the one suffer in the water (laughs) (laughs) not gonna pay that much money then I asked my friend to does she wanted to join me for the triathlon just Mm -hmm. something I want to take home for the year so she can swim a little bit but I'm like a zero so we say we need to find a swimming lessons first So I passed by this place. They have sticker with number you can call it, like a group swing mm-hmm. class. So I called, I signed myself up. Two days later, they called me back. They said, you are where this most of them are kids. You can have a private class. I was like, let me check with my friend. And I called my friend up and say, do you, you know, they say it's all kids. What do you think? She said, we're kids too, just in a bigger body. I, uh, okay. <laughs> and I called back. I said, do you have age limitation? They were like, we don't. I said, okay, we are in that if you don't kick me out. <laughs> so both of us, so naive, show up in the one child, Morrison, at the swimming pool. Then we looked around. It's 11 and 12 years old kid. The guys and girls and the taller ones, very close to our heights, physically I would say not that embarrassed, but you can see they're looking at us who are just too auntie. So then we go into the water test. 
my friend stayed and then they put me into the baby pool with three-year-old kid. My first lessons, because the embarrassment, so I learned super fast. Three weeks later, I've been sent back to the teenager group. <laughs> That's how I learned my swimming. He got motivated. <laughs> exactly. And then what really changes is be before I have this, I think who I am, like personality-wise, I'm not persistent. Mm -hmm. Just who I am. So I changing things, I change hobbies, I can never people one thing for a long time. And I think that's me. I was born that way. The triathlon, like when I go to gym every day, try to train for that 20 minutes, I already feel like I'm tired. How can I sustain five hours if I go into this race? I don't think I can do it. But through the 10 months training, through the practice, and every time I learned to just look at the next meter of where I need to go instead of thinking big picture and I freaked out and overwhelmed. But that really helped me to accomplish the whole thing. And when I accomplish it, I start changing the way I look at myself. Who said I'm not persistent? Who said I cannot do it? And then my friend said, oh, if you've done this trial so long, you probably talk, I don't know, 5%. People, population in the world who have done this. Mm. And put it in that context, I was like, wow, I can do anything if I want to. Mm -hmm. So that's a physical side, but that's also put me in work mm -hmm. and um, perspective in, in life and other things too. Mm -hmm. As long as I put the effort, I don't need to be rushed every day. I have a one step forward or a little improvement every day I can get anywhere I want to you have been listening to surface time confessions of a diving junkie my guest today was basil the word investments tend to be given a meaning limited to monetary terms when we talk about returns of investment it tends to be the penny for penny calculation on the growth like I pay $100 to buy a stock, when I sold that stock, I was pay $150. So $50 was my profit. If we take a step back and look at a bigger picture, it is important to take into account of the impact that the original capital has created. Say you are the CEO of the company. When you decide to spend money and time to enhance your physical health, and mental well-being, you will be able to lead your company more effectively. This is because you have the physical and mental capacity to be present and therefore make the sound decisions all the time. It is fair to make the bold statement that the best investment you can make is on yourself. So what have you been investing in yourself lately? What will you invest in yourself next? Surface Time is executively produced by Noetic Production and Music by Dress Studio. If you have enjoyed our Surface Time chat, please show us some love and subscribe. And even better, share with your friends and family so that they get to be inspired. And if you would like to share your stories on Surface Time, we would love to hear from you. Please email us to faith at servicetimechats.com.